This episode is sponsored by Echo. Hear clearly, care confidently. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O health.com. And use code JSP for $50 off any stethoscope. Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Disclaimer, in this episode, we're going to discuss legal issues. However, nothing in this episode should be construed as legal advice. If you have questions, please contact an attorney. Not us, not the people on the show. There you go. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is a special edition. It's going to be a blast about ongoing events in the nursing world, and we want to make sure you stay up to date as much as possible. This is Tom. And this is Ben. So basically how this blast came about is I was scrolling TikTok one day. There is a nurse famous TikToker named Muscles in Nursing that had talked about how if you were to be investigated by the board and those statements that you made were then used in criminal court against you, was that a civil rights violation or Fifth Amendment violation? And this was mind-blowing for Tom and I. And so we reached out to him and said, hey, would you be willing to come on the show and talk about it? And he graciously did. Well, to be honest, I think we actually took notice of him. Let me be completely open and honest. My wife is a huge TikTok fanatic. I don't know. If there, I'm sure there's a word for TikTok. TikToker? Okay, so she's a TikToker. She doesn't make them, but she gets in that rabbit hole, and three hours later, she's still watching them. Great for her. But she loves this guy. His name is Muscles in Nursing. Thought he was fantastic. Thinks he's really funny, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fast forward a couple of months. Redonda Vaught case comes out. He puts yes. out a couple of TikToks about it. They were excellent. He makes some really good points. Fast forward again a couple of weeks. He starts talking about other nurses that are getting in trouble. So then what Ben said earlier is what happened. He made this case about constitutionality. Ben and I were like, that's a really good point. And we don't want other nurses falling into these traps, especially when you look at what happened to the nurses that worked with Dr. Husel in Ohio, how he got let off with straight murder. But allegedly, but all of his nurses who carried out the orders that were then deemed to be legal in the state of Ohio somehow got punished and their license taken. And so we really started to take notice of all this. So a very famous person shows up on the show. I was shocked. I'm shocked every time this happens. I'll be real, real honest, Ben. Every time someone famous says, yes, I would love to come on your show. I say, clearly, you have never listened to our show. No, you shouldn't come on the show. Like, I try and talk them out of it, but they still show up. So Ben, being the super smart guy he is, then wrote an email to the NCSBN. And uh, Ben, what happened after that? Yeah, so I basically just wrote an email, and I read the email in the actual interview with Muscles and Nursing. The basic premise was, hey, is this a constitutional violation? And if it's not, then what are some things that we can do to help educate nurses and healthcare providers on things that they need to do to, to be safe and protect themselves? 
And I got back, hey, you should talk to an attorney. So we did. <laughs> so, so, we, yeah, so we did. Yeah. So I reached out uh, to an attorney by the name of Ronald Chapman II, and he's with Chop, the Chapman Law Group, and he handles healthcare law. So board hearings, criminal hearings, things of that nature. Again, very, very gracious to take time out of his busy schedule to come on the show and visit with us about the legality aspects of things. And that to me was extremely, extremely interesting. It was not only interesting, Ben, I think it was very helpful. So I know there was a disclaimer at the start of the show, and we will actually say it again during the interviews, but it is vitally important that A, you do not misconstrue anything we talk about as legal advice. We are not lawyers, and even though we spoke to a lawyer, he is not your lawyer. So he is not giving you legal advice, okay? And the other thing that would be really important to know is that if you are in trouble or you think you're going to be in trouble, and that is something I think we cover in the episode, Mm -hmm. is if you even are under the impression you may or may not be in any sort of legal jeopardy, you need to be contacting a lawyer like him, not specifically him, but him. Or maybe specifically him. I don't care. But you need to be contacting a lawyer that specializes in legal defense of healthcare workers ASAP. All right. It's not something to think about. It's not some time to worry about money. You need to be getting a hold of that lawyer sooner than later. So with Muscles and Nursing's TikTok about the, the civil rights violation or Fifth Amendment violation, what Ron does in the interview is he drops a knowledge bomb. And that knowledge bomb is called adverse inference. Which basically means, and he explains it a whole lot better than I'm going to, basically means if you don't agree to testify to the board in some states, they can then basically assume that you're going, your testimony is going to be like the most horrible thing and use that against you because you don't cooperate with the board. Yeah, it, it's not good. So let's be real clear so that you guys can just get to the episode, which by the way, muscles and nursing, fantastic guy. If you don't follow him on TikTok, you absolutely should. He's both hilarious and informative. Sounds like a familiar combination he's going for there, Ben, both funny and informative, but he's a great guy. We will likely have him back on the show as well as Ronald Chapman, the second, the attorney, he will most likely be on the show again very soon as well. What I want to get to for you is that this blast was done very quickly. Okay. That's why we call it a blast. Second of all, when we say the word blast, it's something we want you to take notice of. It's vital importance and it's up to date. This isn't something that's happened or something you can just integrate into your practice or how you do things. This is something you need to know now and you need to start using or thinking about now. Yeah. And I would definitely tell you that what both of these people have to say are things that you want to start listening to. Okay. Whether you agree with them or not is a different you know concept. Okay. What you do need to be doing is saying, I'm a healthcare worker, or I know a healthcare worker, or I am trying to show some empathy to people in healthcare right now. What are they going through? These are some of the people you need to be listening to. Tom, we have a uh, great guest with us tonight, Nurse Famous on TikTok. He goes by Muscles and Nursing on TikTok. So welcome to the show, man. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I think this is something that really needs to get out there. People need to be made aware of what's going on with our disciplinary boards and how they are working in conjunction with large corporations and hospitals. And honestly, the big thing that I saw in one of your last TikToks that really struck a chord with me, and 
again, most of our listeners to our shows understand I've been in law enforcement. I've been in court systems. And some of the stuff you especially said pertaining to like Fourth and Fifth Amendment issues where people are cooperating under the guise that they are doing stuff for their license and that it's peer protected. But then that is being handed over to be used as evidence and testimony against them in court proceedings when they had no Miranda rights Correct. read to them or anything else. And blew my mind, at, mm-hmm. first of all, at the openness of it. And two, that this is the first time I thought of it. I was like, this guy is 100% correct. Like, we need to know about this. So tell us how this came about to you. So this came about with with Anne, the trial with Redonda Vaught, and, and, the, and the violation of what we have, what we call in nursing, just culture, okay? You have to understand, every time somebody says Redonda Vaught murdered somebody, or Redonda Vaught is guilty, we're not saying that she didn't screw up, okay? Nurses are not saying that. We are saying that Redonda Vaught trusted a system that was built for medication errors, that it was everybody was at fault. And even the investigator said CMS was at fault. CMS had found 354 violations when they did their investigation, okay? And this is the biggest takeaway that we can from this. When Redonda Vaught made her med error, she immediately reported it. She worked with it. She told somebody she was told not to, she was told not to document her error. She, by her charge nurse, the medical doctor, then who has falsified a death report before, lied on that death report the second time. He's done this before. So this is the second time this happened. She cooperated with the investigation. And even and when they said that when she was investigated the first time, she was told, listen, we're not going to prosecute you. They followed just culture. Then CMS gets involved. They found out Vanderbilt's lying. Now Vanderbilt, now that they're under the gun, Vanderbilt re-reports her. And her defense attorney, and this is very important, asked the disciplinary hearing not to hold that disciplinary hearing, held the boards not to hold that because it would be used against her in the court of law. And that's exactly what happened. They were, she, she, but she still cooperated. Whereas if you look at the doctor who, I believe it was in Ohio, 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 that was accused, yeah, Dr. Houston was accused of murdering 25 people. And when he got the letter from that, from the medical boards for the investigation, he pleaded the fifth. The nurse is going to jail and she cooperated the doctor isn't going to jail, and he refused to cooperate. And on top of that, you have heard about the nurses that lost their license for completing his orders. Right. So three nurses so far came forward, said, hey, I did the order that you just said was legal in the state of Ohio because right. he was acquitted, by the way, right. shockingly mm-hmm. to I think everybody that was watching the trial or know about the case. But regardless of that, regardless of how people think, the point is a physician was acquitted of murder for ordering these ginormous doses of fentanyl. Mm-hmm. The nurses who just carried out the order that we now have been clarified, this is legal. Uh-huh. The Board of Nursing in my state of Ohio yep. has taken their license. Have disciplined them, yes. Yeah, I, It is beyond my imagination at this point in time as both a citizen of the United States of America and a nurse mm-hmm. that – this is what is happening to us. I think nursing in general, we try to be helpful. And so I think that's where a lot of nurses approach an investigation with the board. Oh, well, I need to do what's right. I need to tell the truth. And I'm not saying by any means don't tell the truth. But then when it's being used potentially criminally, mm-hmm. 
Well, it creates a precedence. Yeah. So yes. before, listen, the nurses know the boards of nursing are not there, are not our friends. Okay. The boards of nurses, they're not. The, no, they and are I there. just had this conversation. So I'm like, thank you for saying yeah, it. So. The boards of nursing are not our friends. Okay. They're not there for the nurses. Okay. But they are there to defend and support the Nurse Practice Act. Every state has forms legislation to create what is called the Nurse Practice Act. Okay. All of them are, some places are, are different in some areas and what you can do, but they're all pretty similar. Okay. The Nurse Practice Act is enforced by governors who put these people in place. Now, in 1981, there was enacted across the board that if you were to be on a board of nursing before 1981, you had to come from the nursing association. You were nominated from the nursing association to be put on that board. After 1981, and then you start seeing all of these all of these like BS cases that are being overturned, the governor didn't have to pick from the nursing association anymore. They could just pick from anywhere. The, the Tennessee Board of Nursing has four people, corporate, who were nominated by a corporation, a healthcare corporation, to sit on that board. Three of them who are Vanderbilt alumni. So it, it is, it's this incestuous idea that they're no longer defending the Nurse Practice Act. They're utilizing the Nurse Practice Act in defense of corporations. I'll give you a prime example. There was a nurse in Maine who allowed, who signed all the paperwork, just educated the patient, the patient still insisted on leaving, was given permission from the doctor to allow the patient to leave, have the AMA paperwork signed, the patient later died. The nursing board, the nursing board then accused the nurse of violating the Nurse Practice Act and tried to revoke his license for two years. Not only did he appeal it the first time, and when he went before the, the appellate administrative law judge, when he was there, he tried to get something called what we call case de novo, which is a judicial law person looks over all the information and both sides are able to submit new information. They're able to submit other witness testimony, other documentation. At first, he was going to allow it. Listen closely. The Board of Nursing fought against it. They didn't want him to be able to defend himself in court. So all they had to go with was what the Board of Nursing found. So, of course, they decided that the Board of Nursing's decision was appropriate. So he appealed that to the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court found that administrative law judge, the first one, the appellate one, was wrong. And he should have given him case de novo. Once that happened and all the new information came forward, guess what? That Board of Nursing's decision was overturned and they were found to be an overreach. Two things happened here. One, he had the amount of administrative costs and the law legal fees that he accrued are astronomical. Number two, that Board of Nursing was told they overreached their, their boundaries of power. None of them, not a single one, have had to step down have had their license revoked, have the, had their inf in investigation coming investigated. That's a problem. That you don't get to make these decisions with no consequence. Well, unfortunately, that's what it seems not only is happening, but the only people that seem to be paying any sort of price at this moment in time are the nurses. Correct. 
And and honestly, I, I do know, you know, both Ben and I are nurse practitioners and we work on the provider side now. And I will tell you right now, there are plenty of physicians, at least in some of the circles and educational stuff I read now that are they're going, hey, wait a second. If this is happening to nurses and they're using all this flimsy logic to make these leaps, mm-hmm. how much longer is it before it's us? So oh, it's going to happen. I, so, yeah, I, oh, I 100% agree. And I, I think that is the ripple effect that the DA in Tennessee who charged Redonda Vaught, I don't think he could have possibly fathomed the ripple effect that he's going to have on American healthcare at this point. I agree. The best thing for a nurse to do now, like honestly, the best, because I mean, look at what's happening in, in mass. I think, I believe it's in Maine. An ADON and a DON are being criminally charged for an incident that happened two years ago. Two years ago. And if they go, but if they get a complaint against their license before that board of nursing, they need to not cooperate. Like no longer is it safe for a nurse to cooperate during an investigation, especially when it comes to a medication error, because that's an issue. That is truly a problem. And the board of nursing in Tennessee did that. Like they did that. That's why I'm so like full guns board against this board like they need to be investigated they're do you realize that our boards of nursing are are, are the only governing boards that are not peer reviewed actually the medical, no, I didn't. I the did. medical boards peer review each other that like for their disciplinary action their medical boards they look at each other's stuff the boards of nursing are the only governing boards in the medical field that are not peer reviewed. Like the Tennessee Board of Nursing should have never taken that case the second time. They shouldn't have. They should have given it to another board. And what I would say is some of the things that you brought up are some of the very things that I would hope healthcare nurses in particular, but anyone in healthcare listening would kind of start to take that is we are not lawyers. I'm not trying to give legal advice. Right. What I would say though is as you said before, a precedent has been set that this cooperation is now being used in you know a legal manner, and they do not have representation present. I would follow both what you said and as much as it makes me cringe to say the Dr. Husel example and say, no, if you're going to question me that in any way can be used in a court of law moving forwards, mm-hmm. then I want representation and defense counsel present. Not only do I think that should that be allowed, what I was going to get at for Redonda is I can't imagine this going forwards to an appeal and the court going, whoa, whoa, wait a second. This person was never read their rights. And like I said, I was law enforcement. I guarantee you if I arrested you mm-hmm. and I was going to ask you specific questions of the crime while you're in custody, those are the two tenets of initiating Miranda. Yeah. And I say, hey, I'm going to ask you all these questions to incriminate yourself. All right. Did you break into this house? Did you steal the stuff? And you tell me, yes. And we go to court. That DA is going to look at me and go, you're nuts. I cannot use any evidence. It's all thrown out. But for some reason, a healthcare worker that's told this is all protected. You are protected by law. That's And I know I've been in those meetings where they said, hey, this is a peer review process. Mm-hmm. We are all protected. Guess what? It turns out apparently we're not. And so this also, again, for trauma centers and et cetera, where they have to review that, they do that peer review process. I would be trembling a little bit going, hey, how many of these cases do I want to cover in this meeting now? Because maybe everything I'm about to say is now admissible. 
Right. And the, and that's and the, the things that what needs to happen is I there is one state, I believe it's Iowa. I looked at a, a case in Iowa. Anything that happens in a board of nursing, their their disciplinary hearing is not admissible in court. So there is a complete separation from administrative law to judicial law. OK, there's a, so that needs to happen. Or if it is a disciplinary hearing that is part of a criminal case, the Board of Nursing needs to provide, because a lot of times being a nurse, a lot of times you're a single mom. You know what I mean? Let's be honest with you. Like it, it, it's a female dominated field. They don't have, there There may be just, there's a lot of single moms in nursing um, and they may not have the money to afford a lawyer. So if you're going to do something that's going to be part of a criminal case, they, we deserve the right to have a, a, a court appointed lawyer, period. You know, you just, you, that should happen. And we also deserve what is called Gar- the Garrity um, Garrity warning. Do you know what that is? Go ahead and inform everybody. So a Garrity warning is for people who work in the public sector. If they are about to be investigated by, by somebody that is paramount to the public safety, they are given what they call the Garrity warning, which is not a guarantee that they're not going to be removed from public office if they say what's going to happen. That's not a guarantee. But it is a guarantee that if they say what happened, it won't be used against them in a criminal trial. Okay? So that's nurses. We're paid by Medicare Medicaid. That's part of our payroll. We are technically working in the public sector. So we should automatically be given what is called Garrity warnings, which is, you need to come forward. It does not mean that we're not going to discipline you at the boards, but it also means that anything that happens in those disciplinary hearings, if you are forthright and honest with us, will not be used against you in the court of law. And the way you change that is to change the Nurse Practice Act in every state. And I guarantee you that would be a revolution in nursing because nurses would start coming forward with a lot more shit that hospitals are doing. There is so much stuff that nurses haven't said anything about hospitals they have no idea what's coming down the pipeline. Hospitals have no idea what, with this Redondavat case, what they have done. Because nurses are going to start throwing every single hospital under the bus. Like, you guys are, like, they're screwed. <laughs> like, anything yeah. that happens. I know a nurse that every day is going in to file a grievance, making a copy and sending it to CMS every day. And that's what nurses need to do. They need to keep a big old binder of, of blank uh, grievance reports, fill one out every shift, give it to them, give it to the hospital. Because you're also covered under whistleblower. Like, it's it, hospitals need to pay for what they have done for to our profession. And the boards of nursing have enabled it. And, and that needs to stop. So one of the questions then going forwards is, first of all, I don't disagree. I, I for sure, and I know this is something I've said on our show many times, is hospital administrations have a large role to play in, mm-hmm. you know, the steering of this ship. Okay. Oh, so yeah. I, I definitely think that that needs to be addressed. But I guess my question to you is, what do you see besides changing the Nurse Practice Act in each mm-hmm. state? Okay. And having a review process of that, which again, I think is should openly be happening. What is it that you think will tip the scales and can bring a balance back to what we're doing? Besides those two things, is there anything else we need to do? Yes. We need to contact the Department of Justice. So I, I don't know if you know what happened in Indiana. Um, okay. Indiana was slapped with, slapped with um, a lawsuit by the Department of Justice for violating the American with Disabilities Act. 
So the only people who can actually step in above the state legislator is the Department of Justice. And that's what you have to do. You have to contact the Department of Justice and let them know that somebody's civil rights are being violated. There's civil rights violations when it comes to Miranda rights, constitutional rights, those kind of things. We have to let the Department of Justice know that the Nurse Practice Act is in violation of those rights. And that needs to change because, again, if you're going to use what I say in a disciplinary hearing in a criminal law and you're not Miranda, you're not Mirandizing me, then you're not going to get any information from a nurse going forward, period, hands down. Okay, like hands down. And that is detrimental to the public health. For sure. The thing that you keep saying, and I hope everyone listening, because the show is geared towards healthcare professionals, but I, I really hope is, look, man. Don't ever lie, but you really need to pay attention to what you're going to say because at this point forwards, my mm -hmm. fear for my colleagues is that anything we say can be used against us, all right? And if you were being investigated by the police, we or the law, Department of Justice, anybody, they have certain rules they have to follow, but apparently our own boards of nursing don't. They do not. They And also they have qualified immunity. They have quasi-immunity, sovereign immunity for anything that they do. So if they make an actual egregious legal error, okay, like an overreach, there is no, the only time that they are subject to discipline is from the Department of Justice when they commit a federal offense, which Indiana did. Indiana Board of Nursing is responsible for paying the nurses that they refuse to allow in their alternative to discipline program who were using Suboxone, those kind of medications, opioid use disorder medications. They refuse to allow them on their program unless they quit cold turkey, which could kill people. Okay. Like you don't do that. And addiction is part of American Disabilities Act, but they were violating it. But because they were violating a federal law, now they have to pay. So we have to get the feds involved to take that power away from them. So I have a few things. So I, in, in researching this episode, I did some research on N NSCBN or NCSBN, sorry. NCSBN, yes. Yeah, the National Council of State Boards of Nursing. In their legislative tabs, it talks about unless it is in state statute, there is no statute of limitations for administrative complaints. So if you, if you did something 20 years ago, Unless it's in your state statute, the board can still come back and investigate you. The other thing I want to say is I, and I'm going to read the email. I did reach out to NCSBN. I'm going to read the email and then their response. So outside of the introduction of who I am, I said, we're preparing an episode about board administrative hearings and their use of criminal cases, as was done in, in Vought's case. Our plan is to speak to nurses in regards to this, as well as attorneys well-versed in administrative hearings and criminal proceedings. While we fully understand that it is the Board of Nursing's job to protect the public and that licensing is a privilege and not a right, our concern comes with administrative hearings where the nurse is not brandized and potentially committing a Fifth Amendment violation while testifying before a board and those videos being used to prosecute a nurse criminally if a prosecuting attorney deems a crime was committed. Would NCSBN have any recommendations for nurses across the United States in regards to appropriate ways to approach board hearings in a manner that the board is able to investigate the complaint while not potentially violating his or her right against self-incrimination criminally. As I'm sure NCSBN is well aware, nurses are very concerned with a medication error and reporting an unjust culture and then being placed in prison for it. That was my original email. That's a good one. <clears throat> the response I got back, quote, I think the best person to address these questions is an attorney who represents nurses in such situations, unquote. That was it. <clears throat> are you fucking kidding me? I wish I was. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Do you see where we are, people? 
Like, do you, do you see where they, they literally, do they, they don't fucking care. They, they don't care. Like they, they literally don't care if, if they violate your constitutional rights to not incriminate yourself. Like they don't yeah. care. And, and they will take your license in a heartbeat. And they will, even if what you did was legally protected for a physician to order, right. you following it somehow is now a problem. And, and I want to say this, we have been going after boards of nursing and rightly we should. Okay. I am not anti watchdog. I am not anti someone out to protect the public. I think that's actually a good thing. Yes, we need it. I agree. But I also agree with you and I agree with what Ben and I have started to feel and what a lot of people, I feel like in this, for lack of a better term, movement that had been started since the Redonda Vought case is I don't mind you watching me to protect the public. I'm okay with that. What I do mind is you circumventing criminal law to charge right. me criminally for you to withhold evidence that you tell me is you know, pride or uh, private and protected and then making it public. I am against you doing all the things that you say you don't do that you are secretly doing and then using it against me. Those are the things I am against. Exactly. And so anybody listening to this, I don't want them to take away like we're like open revolt, viva la revolution. I'm not <laughs> saying that. What I'm saying is I believe in watchdogs. I believe in people saying, hey, watch your P's and Q's. Do your thing. Great. But don't act like the good guy when you're really the bad guy waiting to ambush me. That's exactly. what I'm against. Exactly. And so I think sometimes though, when people hear, especially when we get passionate and I'm like you, I tend to get you know, a little worked up. And yeah. I, get, I, I don't want anybody to come across from this. Oh, we're like, ah, everything's bad. I don't think everything's bad, no. but I think what they're doing to us is. And it is. I feel, especially after this pandemic, we are in an incredibly fragile state. Yes, we are. And this is not, this is not going to go well in any way. I don't think anything would have gone well, but this to say, oh, by the way, the one very thing you had, which was you deal with human beings, which are complex and mistakes are going to happen. Now we're going to also punish you for being short staffed, tired, overworked, underpaid. Oh, and then punish you for it. Those are the problems I have. And until we rectify those types of issues, I really feel, and I don't mean dangerous. I don't think any nurse would do something heinous on purpose, but the system as a total is, I think is in a real bad spot. And honestly, I don't think people outside of healthcare can possibly understand. I just got a lot. I just got a lot of flack about Arizona expanded their RTT, which is right to treat, which is if you feel that there's a medication that hasn't been approved by the government, they come forward and they can, they treat you. I made a post and I said, no, 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 nurses do not involve yourself in this. And everybody's just like, how dare you do this? I, 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 I just saw this one. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. You saw that. Like I said, what people don't understand is it doesn't matter what all of that legal jargon and bullshit and liability waivers is. If the Board of Nursing deems that you have violated the Nurse Practice Act, it doesn't matter if they signed a waiver. It doesn't matter if they did that. It is entirely up to seven people placed by a governor who gets who gets campaign donations from healthcare corporations. Like what you're not getting here, folks, like yeah. it has nothing to do with saying <laughs> RTT is bad. It, it, I'm saying nurses are going to start are going to be held liable for shit that, that you say we're not supposed to be held liable. Well, for. well, for example, Ohio, those three nurses did 
what the physician ordered, and yeah. we just said he was not guilty. They're still getting when he, when he, charged, but they're and still their getting license is yeah. still being suspended. If exactly. CNF, it doesn't. There's no. There is no consequences for the boards of nursing when they overreach, when they break the law, when they circumvent your constitutional rights. None of that. There is no rec- There is no recourse for nurses to fight back. There's nothing. Yeah, and so, and. I really like uh, – sorry, Ben. I just got to say I, I watched the TikTok, and I think it's also important to note that you say during the TikTok, right to try, which I agree with, which I'm with you. I am for – hey, I, I just lost a really close – my wife's best friend, a close friend yeah. of mine. We just lost a cancer, and I guarantee you if there was any drug on the face of the planet that they said it's a one in a million shot, but hey, it could work, she should have had the right to try, and I am on board with that. Yep. But like we've been saying, all of a sudden you are uh, not you, but we right. as in society. Profession. Yes. As a society, the profession, everybody has suddenly got, wait a second. Well, who's going to put their balls on the line to go administer these drugs? Right. Because the chances are it's more than likely to go wrong than, and that's not bad. That's the point of right to try though, is, Hey, I've exhausted all my standard of care. I've exhausted all my normal options. Let me try the thing that we don't know. Correct. But the Nurse Practice Act states very clearly that um, if you administer it and it is yes. unsafe and it is unproven, you have Correct. committed a error. You are res- it does it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. That no, is no, I agree with you. Liability law. This is the Nurse Practice Act, and we already know that there is a their boards of nursing are willing to throw away decades of just culture. Decades of just culture just to get a hospital off the fucking hook. Like, yeah, it's so, have either of you been investigated by the board? I have, I have. So I, have I, I was just curious. Yes, I and I will speak freely about was, what I what occurred. I attempted suicide with an illicit substance, and my investigator made me look like a fucking demon. She made me look like a demon. I she said that I was willfully lying because I didn't report a DUI that had happened twenty two years ago. 22 years. And that she made me look like a drug addict demon, even though board certified clinical psychologist who specializes in substance abuse said he's going through trauma, he's going through PTSD and trauma due to the pandemic and a divorce. So yeah, I have. Go ahead. No, I, was, I, I was investigated when I worked in uh, prison healthcare. An inmate turned me into the board. Generally, they don't investigate those but it was a new prison so they were investigating my concern with everything or the way that it was handled is everything was very secretive mm-hmm. i got in you know, i got a letter saying hey we're investigating you so you call him you say okay well, what's going on well we can't really tell we you know I'm like well, who's it on well we can't tell you that well like how can i defend right. what i did or did not do if i don't know the the just a position of where I need to be. Now, luckily, the company that I worked for hired me an attorney, and the attorney is the one who took care of all the mm-hmm. communication between myself and the board, and it was unfounded, and, and the case was closed. It's not a big deal. But it just it's amazing to me how they can say, we're going to investigate you. Do you want to make a statement, or do you want to talk about what happened? Well, who's it on, or what's it about? Well, we can't tell you that, but we're just investigating you. Yeah. 
okay, well, my statement is okay. Exactly. Just mumble <laughs> into it a bunch and just say – But yeah. again, I, the stark difference is both of you are healthcare workers that are going out. You're doing your best to help other people, and we are treating you both like criminals yep. in the dark. But yep. like I said – I have been involved in investigations with people that have murdered children, all right? Mm-hmm. Not something that you ever want to be involved with. No. But I had to treat that person openly with more respect and give him more rights mm-hmm. than both of you just put together. Correct. Me about. Correct. So if I can give any sort of example that shines a light on how disparaging this is, that might be it. Yeah. Like we are afforded absolutely no rights when it comes to a, an investigation of the, before the board of nursing. And people say nurses eat their young. They absolutely do. Oh, and there yeah. is no consequences. And let's be honest. This is not a, this is not a, this is not a show. It, it, nursing is a female dominated field. So there is a reason why it is treated the way that it is. Because if look at how the like look, look the medical, look at the medical board. The medical boards um, in Tennessee refused, has not investigated the, the doctor who allowed the CEO to do the first incision on an open heart surgery. Yeah, I remember that. The yeah. medical boards have still not investigated that doctor. There is such a huge disparity on because doctors is a male-dominated field. Nursing is a female-dominated field. There is a stark difference in how we are treated because of that. And I, listen, that is a hill that I will fucking die on. Okay, that's a <laughs> hill that I will die on. Well, and I, I, there is a lot to this, and and I know we're getting close to the end, but I I think it is very important that you point that out. And again, that's something Ben and I have talked about on the show. Is I did not realize how sexist a lot of things were until I became a male nurse mm-hmm. and I can't tell you and I know Ben has heard the story that's why I'm not going to bore everybody with it but how many times I've been in the room with an ER doc that's a female and they're looking at me when they're talking to patient and I had to be like mm-mm, mm-mm. like like doing the old behind the back like swinging my head yeah no yeah. that's the doctor yeah but that's the doctor. you're 100% yeah. correct just because I was in the room yep there was that automatic that you were the doctor or I work in a family practice now Mm-hmm. And I work with female doctors, and uh-huh. there's a couple people that, in particular, call them by their first name, but they call me Doctor Tom. What? Yeah, yeah, because I'm a male nurse practitioner, so to them, I'm Doctor Tom. Yeah. But they are so and so and so and so, and I can't tell you how many times I'm like, "You mean Doctor So and So?" And they're like, "No, no, no, you know." And I'm like, "No, no, you should call her Doctor." doctor. Like I refer to them as because, regardless of what anybody thinks, that person has gone through medical; they have earned the right to be called right, Doctor. Exactly, you know? and, exactly. And I, I think it's very unless important. you're Rochelle Walensky. If you're Rochelle <laughs> Walensky, I call you Rochelle. You ain't a doctor to me, honey. Sorry, but that's a whole that's a, that's, that's a, a whole other show. That's a whole other show. But, but speaking of speaking of which, I just want to. And I know Ben's with it. Anytime yeah. you want to come on the show and do another interview where we're not yeah. talking about something uh, making us want to throw a puppy, so like stuff like that, when we're not talking uh, about something like that. We'll see how this goes over. Yeah, because I actually have to get going. Yeah. But see how this goes over and see if they if they, we want to have more. Then let's do it. That'll be fun. Roger that, sir. Okay. All right. Well, as we're getting off, is there any last things you want to say? No, just thank you for having me on. You guys follow me, uh, Muscles and Nursing on TikTok, House of Petty. Um, you can find me across all social media platforms. And anyways, stay petty, my friends. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> uh, all, all right. right. Thanks, guys. 
Tom, I'll tell you what, man. I love my Echo Core. That thing is just... It's amazing. It really is. I, I struggle to find words to describe it because we talk about it every week, but it truly is amazing piece of equipment that you can just hear lung sounds, heart sounds, everything else so much clearer. I had a gentleman come in today with new onset of AFib, and it was just crystal clear. You could hear so much better with this Echo. Ben, I didn't get just the core. I actually got the entire Echo Health 3M digital Lippman stethoscope. And I will tell you right now, every day I am thankful. And I can't say that about a lot of things, but I can actually say how much better it has made my job and my practice and how I take care of patients. And ultimately at the end of the day, that's really what we're doing is taking care of people. So definitely think if you are listening to this, you should consider getting one. Yeah, you can go to echohealth.com. It's ekohealth.com. They have the 40-time amplification, noise cancellation, Bluetooth to the app. And if you download the app, it also helps to keep the firmware in your Echo device up to date as well. So they can push out updates through the app. So make sure that you, if you have an Echo, you use the app as well. But again, like I said, echohealth.com. It's ekohealth.com. Use code JSP. Gives you $50 off your order. But it also lets them know that we sent you. Tom, I know you've been working out lately, and uh, I know it's going to lead to some muscle soreness. It absolutely does. I'm getting a little older, Ben, and I'm not exactly a little guy, so my uh, joints take a lot of stress already, and I have found that the products from CBD Stat really helped me out a lot. So not only do they make great, strong products that are THC-free, they also love their healthcare people. So if you go to cbdstat.care slash healthcare, fill out that form, they're giving you a permanent 40% discount just because you're in healthcare. If you're not in healthcare and you're still one of our listeners to our show, you can go to cbdstat.care. JSP20, if you're not in healthcare, you can use that code and it gives you 20% off your order. cbdstat.care. So Tom, in the earlier interview that we had with one of the nurses from TikTok, I had read the letter that I got from NCSBN and there were recommendation was to talk to a to an attorney that would be better well-versed to answer those questions. So, well, that's what we did. So <laughs> I'd introduce Ronald Chapman II. Mr. Chapman, how are you, sir? Good. How are you today? Doing well. Doing well. We appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us as we let's try that again. <laughs> it's as almost like you've done a podcast before. I know, right? <laughs> so as we spoke about a little bit earlier, the Redonda Vought case in the her testifying to the board administrative hearing and then those tapes being played in her criminal proceedings and uh, muscles and nursing is who we had interviewed prior to this. And on TikTok, he had mentioned concerns about this being a civil rights violation, fifth amendment rights and not being able to self-incriminate in a criminal hearing. So we wanted to reach out and talk to an attorney who had much more education on this aspect so we learn more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Tragic case. I followed the trial a little bit and I just, I really, to be honest, didn't see criminality there. Um, That's my concern. But with respect specifically to the Fifth Amendment, these protections are, are certainly afforded by the Constitution for everybody in criminal proceedings, but the interplay between Fifth Amendment protections and administrative or civil proceedings is a little less clear. And that's probably why they said you needed to get an attorney on this case. So 
Let me just recap what these rights mean. The Fifth Amendment basically says you don't need to get on the witness stand and testify against yourself in a criminal proceeding. You can do what Dave Chappelle did in front of Congress in that wonderful episode and invoke the fifth, the one, two, three, four, five, fifth. Feel free to play the audio clip of that. Over the <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful scene. But you can certainly do that in a criminal proceeding. But when you're in a civil or administrative proceeding, your Fifth Amendment protections don't completely protect you. In a criminal proceeding, a jury will receive an instruction that basically says a defendant has the right to choose whether or not they want to testify. In an administrative or criminal proceeding, the fact finder does not receive that instruction. So if you are called to go before an administrative board and you decide to take the fifth and not answer any questions, you can receive what's called an adverse inference. So if this is a nursing board hearing and you decide to take the Fifth Amendment and you don't testify, many states actually have this built into their statutes uh, that they can find responsibility or they can find against the nurse or doctor or whoever's at the hearing simply because they invoked their Fifth Amendment right not to testify. This creates a little bit of an issue for people who are facing collateral proceedings. First, um, we see the Department of Justice do this all the time. When they are um, pursuing somebody criminally, they'll give a call to the state board and they'll say, hey, we've got this person on criminal charges. Feel free to try to suspend or restrict their license which triggers a board hearing, right? Now, the, the government knows full well that that person either will testify at the board hearing and subject themselves to cross-examination or will decide not to testify and receive a license suspension pending the, uh, the outcome of the criminal case. So if you're a licensed health professional and you're facing uh, this sort of dual civil and criminal or administrative and criminal type hearing, you have two choices. The first is you can jump on a stand and testify. And the second is you can invoke the fifth. If you invoke the fifth, you're likely going to lose. All right. So when I have clients who are facing these types of issues, for my clients who are slightly more guilty or maybe guilty, and we've talked about that, I might say, hey, it's not in your best interest to get on that stand. We're going to take the loss in this proceeding because that's about the best we can do. And let's say ourselves for the criminal proceeding where we can try to put on a case. For my clients who are very satisfied with the care that they provided or with the facts of the case, I just prepare them incredibly well to get on the stand even in that civil case and that administrative case as well and subject them to cross-examination because if you have a well-prepared client, we're not afraid of putting them on the stand, even if that means they will be cross-examined and that transcript will be used in a later criminal case. Don't wanna to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but one of the biggest problems I see is we've got somebody who's represented by an attorney in the administrative proceeding who isn't very talented on areas of criminal law or maybe doesn't do the best job because this is just an administrative proceeding and our client goes on the stand aided by that attorney and they end up doing a very poor job and I'm left with a terrible transcript to deal with. That, that happens quite frequently. The best advice there is if you're facing any of these issues and there's any potential of criminality, the one thing that you have to do is get in touch with an attorney who knows both of these areas and can prepare you for your administrative case with the criminal case in mind. So I guess my question becomes, though, so they call a nurse before the board. They have no attorney present. They have not been read any Miranda warning, nothing like that. And I understand that's a criminal issue. But what I'm saying is there are certain rights that are afforded to you in a criminal investigation or proceeding that are not being afforded to them in the civil 
or in this case, the administrative hearing. So my question is, how is it still constitutionally protected or legal to say, oh, they answered all these questions that are now being used against them, but they testified not knowing that that was possible. That's literally how Miranda came around is he didn't realize he had the right to shut up. And so how is that possible to transfer it? Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you. I personally believe that if the the government, regardless of if that's a state or an administrative body or the federal government is taking a shot at somebody and raising allegations that need to be answered to, the Fifth Amendment protections should extend to every single proceeding. I believe that wholeheartedly. Unfortunately, the state of the law has been a lot more relaxed when it comes to administrative proceedings. You're only allowed a smaller amount of due process that is afforded to you by these Administrative Procedures Acts. And unfortunately, those don't call for Miranda warnings. In fact, I think all of them will allow you to have counsel present, but they don't give you the same protections as you do in the criminal realm. So I think that if the right case came up, this should be analyzed and, and determined to not be constitutional. But the state of the law is right now that these proceedings have been carved out and you don't get the rights that you really should. I, I didn't know if you had another question, but I, I have one more semi-follow-up to that is... In cases such as, let's say you tell a client, don't you know, speak on the stand, but they're found not guilty. Is there any recourse to come back and like appeal that decision? So let's say you lose your license, but then everything else criminally comes back. Hey, that's A-OK. Is there an avenue to get back? Because I'm thinking right now of the three nurses that worked with Husel in Ohio. He just got found not guilty. So basically the state said, that's all legal. So then how is the state of Ohio still taking these nurses license? Yeah, fa- fantastic question. The easy answer, I'll give you an easy answer and then a story. The easy answer, you usually have to apply for reinstatement if you've surrendered your license. And you would say during reinstatement, hey, this is all mitigated by the fact that we were later found not criminally responsible for this conduct. But here's the story. I, I took on the case of a Dr. Osterling. He actually was the guy who developed the PSA prostate marker just about every man over the age of 45 or maybe 50 has been a benefit of Dr. Osterling's work, right? Everybody knows this stuff. He eventually moved to a small town in Michigan and was prosecuted for running a pill mill. The, the, the thing that happened was that he opened up a bunch of urology practices and a doctor next to him was prescribing a lot of medication. She passed away and he nicely decided to take over some of the work while her husband found another doctor to fill in. So they take a shot at him and, and he gets targeted for prosecution. The, the NP that, that worked in his practice for him decided to enter a plea of guilty and take the witness stand against him. I cross-examined her for about a day and a half and tore some pretty wide holes in her story. Ultimately, after a month-long trial, Dr. Osterling was acquitted. Well, in making that deal, that nurse practitioner surrendered, agreed to surrender license and her controlled substance registration permanently. A day after that trial, her attorney gave me a call and said, do you have any idea how much shit I'm getting that my client had to surrender all this stuff and ultimately your guy was acquitted? And to my knowledge, she's not practicing today. So sometimes you get the deal that you get and the spoil, what is the phrase? The spoils go to the victor or something like yes. that. Yes. Uh, and, I, and I think that's sometimes what happens in these cases. The, the question that I reached out to NCSBN and, and got the generic answer back, and that's fine, was what can we tell nurses or healthcare professionals moving forward on how to navigate this if this was to come up as a problem for them? Would you have any basic advice to provide? Absolutely. So first of all, the state of prosecutions in America is changing. 
with the Husel case and then also this other nurse case that you're talking about, we're seeing that they are willing to even attempt to prosecute those operating traditionally in the practice of medicine who may make some medical errors. I'm not conceding that these people made medical errors intentionally, but that's what they're looking at targeting now. And so I think that when we're looking at whether or not somebody has criminal exposure, the definition of criminal exposure has expanded quite drastically. And so if anybody is being disciplined from a licensing standpoint, and there is any potential for criminal exposure, you need to pretend that you will be prosecuted and take every step in protecting your rights as if that may actually be the case. If it's not the case, great. You've been a little overly cautious, no worries. But if it is the case, you won't be going up against a criminal prosecution with a really, really bad transcript of a prior case. So you need to get talented licensing attorney in the state that you're in and somebody who's familiar with these types of prosecutions just to provide you the type of advice that you need before you get on the witness stand. One of the ways that I've structured my practice, and this is by no means a shameless plug, is that I have a criminal division, which I lead, a licensing and regulation division that is led by another attorney who does a really good job in administrative licensing cases. And then I have a compliance component of my practice to provide compliance advice. And oftentimes, one of our clients will be receiving advice by three attorneys at my firm who are specialists in those independent areas. And that's really the type of service that somebody needs if they're facing these complex. Is there a central area instead of just Google attorney in your state? How would you know that the attorney or attorneys that you're looking for are the appropriate people? Is there a specific certification or website or how do we find these lawyers that can protect us? Yeah, absolutely. There's no specific certification that's going to tell you that somebody's good. In fact, most of the certifying bodies out there are really more pay for play than anything these days, which is unfortunate. So I wouldn't trust too much of that. It comes down to two things, experience and comfort. You want to look for somebody who's clearly been there before. Most people will put case results or prior cases handled on their bio. And you want to look for that to make sure they have the experience. But the next thing is you want to give them a call and ask them some pretty, pretty serious questions. First one is, have you done a case like this before? How many have you done before? And as you're engaging in that dialogue, just make sure that you have a comfort level for the person and make sure that they are intelligent enough on the issues at, at hand to be able to speak eloquently on them. I would recommend just like you treat a contractor at your house, um, that you just get a couple of quotes, talk to a few people and find out who you're most comfortable with, and then go forward with the person who seems to have the right personality. Many times the first person on Google is just the one who is best at advertising. And that doesn't really mean much. So you want to dig a little deeper. Well, Ron, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to come on and help clear up some of the muddy waters here. If someone wanted to reach out or find you, you want to let us know where we could do that at? Yeah, I guess Twitter is probably the easiest, at Ron Chapman, A-T-T-Y. Also, you can reach me at my website, chapmanlawgroup.com, if you have any professional inquiries. But thanks so much for having me on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Just to pass the time Lately I see why I am 